It's time again for Talking Trade, sponsored by MMAC's World Trade Association and Michael Best Strategies. Welcome back to Talking Trade. I'm Sandy Siegel, president of ME Day. Today, it's a pleasure to introduce and have our guest today, Mike Heinzelman. Uh, Mike is Senior Director of Global Logistics at Orbis Corporation, North America's largest sustainable packaging manufacturing. And here is where Mike, his work involves strategic logistics sourcing, supply chain technology, third-party fulfillment, as well as being the trade compliance officer. Um, so quite, quite a full plate um, at Orbis. Mike is also a fellow licensed customs broker and trade compliance professional. So I'm particularly excited to, to talk to him about that today and has been the senior operations management leader with really quite a diverse experience in, in manufacturing verticals, including tier one automotive, food, pharma, and CPG companies. So again, Mike, really familiar with the importance of, of compliance programs and I'm sure the many obstacles to um, implementing those programs. And so, so again, really excited to, to talk to you about that today. Um, I also want to mention Mike's a member of the Wisconsin DEC. Um, so again, really in touch with um, the community here in Wisconsin and a lot of um, really valuable trade experience. So um, speaking of the trade community, you've got an upcoming presentation at the Madison Trade Association. And there I understand you're going to talk about how to sell the C-suite on the importance of trade compliance. And I can certainly attest to how challenging that can be sometimes and, and really how fundamental it is to launching any kind of trade compliance program, um, getting that, that buy-in from senior management. So tell us a little bit about your, your strategy, Mike, how you approach this or how you coach others on how to approach uh, senior management and get that buy-in. Well, yeah, we'll do, and, and thank you, Sandy. Um, definitely appreciate you having me on Talking Trade uh, today. Um, happy to participate. Uh, something new for me, so I look forward to the discussion. Um, you know, one, one thing I can I can say about trade compliance, and I'm kind of a lot of times I'm the odd man out, right? Is I'm pretty bullish on uh, compliance and opportunities within trade compliance. And uh, people uh, that may or may not hear this podcast or see it might remember me uh, as I'm often reminded as I'm the guy at the UWEBC, which is University of Wisconsin Business Consortium, uh, trade compliance meeting, uh, who was really excited about the Trump administration actions on Section 232 and 301. Uh, and, and generally, people around the room is like, look, I don't know what you're on, but uh, I don't know why you would be excited about this. And, and my explanation when they got back around to me that day was, look, I'm not excited about what's going down particularly, but I'm excited because for the first time in our careers, leadership at multiple levels, right? The ELT, the C-suite and the boardroom are actually having discussions and they're focused on tariff and trade and you know uh, how those things have impact on, on the business overall. So for, for once we had a voice, right? And, and I was the guy that said, at this point, you have the pulpit, you need to be able to exercise that voice. So, in our discussion today, I, I do want to give a disclaimer, right, and say that, uh, you know, what I'm talking about today, my opinion, and my opinion only for my professional expertise. Uh, hopefully people know that, um, you know, these may or may not apply to your specific situation. I hope they do, but I'm not here to preach. Uh, I am going to evangelize a little bit. And, 
you know, the, the disclaimer at the bottom is, you know, past performance uh, is no guarantee of future results uh, in that regard. But when we, when we talk about selling the, the C-suite, you know, I, from my perspective, it's really about truly understanding your own organization and who those folks are that need to be supportive of your compliance uh, journey or initiative or development. Maybe you already got a compliance program started and it needs to be enhanced or you need to take it to another level. So uh, to me, it's, it's imperative that you know you have to communicate the value, uh, true value in the company uh, of trade compliance to the decision makers. And again, uh, at different levels of the company, you know, for that matter, because I, I'm a guy that thinks strength in numbers, right? Uh, I'm a person that says the more people you have speaking the same dialogue and the same language about a topic like this um, and evangelizing, the more of those people, the better. It will help you. Um, It'll help you get people on the bus and understand the journey that, that you're taking. So, you know, one thing I can say for sure is that, you know, compliance, as well as a lot of other things, uh, is about teamwork, right? There's no compliance without teamwork. This can't be one faction or one department or one functional area of a company that's leading the charge on that. It has to be multiple areas that understand the goal how it impacts them and why we're doing this. So no compliance without teamwork. And the, the important elements for success to me is you know, pretty simple. You have to have senior management buy-in or, or it stalls. You can't drive it from the bottom up or the middle out. This has to be a top-down approach uh, based on education. Uh, you gotta have the right person leading the charge. So you need to have somebody that's got credibility within the organization. I've heard people call it the juice, right? You need somebody who's got juice in the business um, in, in order to be able to lead this initiative. Um, education is key. Multiple levels, right? You, you need to be able to educate you know, the people at the highest level of the company, company as well as folks uh, in lower levels of the company to understand you know, what, why this is important to them. Uh, how do you communicate it? You know, what are the lines of communication? Um, sure. We talk about three Ps, policy, procedures, and process. If you don't have that uh, taken care of, right? If you don't have that shored up within the business, you'll likely fail in one regard or another. Uh, and, and frankly, it's it's not always just about enforcing regulations. Um, you know, a lot of times it's important to do the right thing uh, as a business and as a community um, a community steward, right? So, sure. how how do I see um, making compliance relevant to decision makers? Uh, I've already talked about education. I think you have to have, um, you know, the right level of education at the right touch points in, in the business. And, you know, I also think that, you know, um, if people haven't heard of WIFM, uh, what's in it for me, right? Everybody wants to know when you're going to talk about, hey, we're going to do the, this or these things, you know, how does it impact me? Uh, what's in it for me? You know, and that's where I think, you know, the right person comes in with strategic influencing. Um, you got to learn it. You need to know it and you need to live the influencing piece of this. Uh, it'll be different things to different people. Um, you know, what, one thing I think everybody has in common is the bottom line. And, you know, if you can, if you can express to those why it's important to the bottom line of the company, especially at the high levels yeah. and quantify the risk, then I think that's, that's a really big incentive, right? That's the intention, absolutely. Well, I, you know, it's all music to my ears, and I couldn't agree more with with all your your various points. And 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 you've said it. I, I've seen it where 
often trade compliance is assigned to one person and it's not a one person job um, without a doubt. And I think that's where a lot of companies can go wrong um, again without that buy-in and, and without the team effort. Um, so I, again, I, I couldn't agree more with, with all of your points. Um, certainly, I, I've also seen it. You know, I've been doing it a long time, and and the the comments you made on the 232 and the China tariffs is where we saw a lot of companies getting religion um, all of a sudden, as you say, um, trade compliance uh, got the attention it deserved um, because it it had an impact on the bottom line, and, and so you know that's that certainly got the attention of a lot of senior management. Um, I'm wondering what you're seeing or, or what your thoughts are, given what we've been through in the last two years. So, you know, supply chain has certainly become the focus and, and that became a household word in the last two years. And, and you know, since the COVID and all the challenges in supply chain, um, that, you know, really with a focus on delays and additional transportation costs and, and the challenges a lot of companies are facing now with inventory balances and rebalancing and, and you know, try to rework their supply chains and predict and forecast on what lies ahead. Do you think there's been a shift away from the Client side, and and you know, are, are we refocusing our priorities? Um, and and is trade compliance taking a backseat to that, or um, are are you finding ways to be able to to work that into um, the you know the whole picture? You know, I, I I can only I mean speaking from my perspective at Orvis, um, you know, we're not a, a super high volume importer. We do a fair amount of exporting, uh, pretty high volumes. But, but I can tell you that I don't think it, it really detracted our focus from the compliance side. Um, but let's be clear, right? It, it, I think it's, it's very organizationally dependent in that it's been chaotic uh, over the last three years. We, we've all seen things that, that I think, um, you know, I, I, I antidotally tell people all the time that uh, I'm, I'm tired of saying the following words over the last three years. I've never seen anything like this in my career. And so because of that, I think it's very company dependent on how you approach those things. Um, I do think that, you know, it's, it's, it's probable that, that the chaos is preempted, uh, you know, company's diligence in maintaining, you know, a robust compliance program. Uh, no doubt about it, right? When, when it's uh, feet to the fire and, and you need to produce or fulfill product, there are likely things um, on the dotting of I's and crossing of T's that don't get done as you would hope. So yeah, probably likely in that in that regard. Um, I know you know from our perspective, one one challenge that that we found was um, you know sourcing from different markets. You know, I think there's a lot of people that are entrenched in certain markets that now had to learn uh, the nuances or the ins and outs or the specifics of of a different market where they're getting product um, overseas. Uh, and I, and I think uh, also you know we can't ignore uh, the labor and staffing challenges that nearly everyone, uh, every company that I've talked to anyone uh, at every level in the business has encountered. So, you know, ensuring that you've got competent folks and professionals, skilled professionals, filling those openings, um, butts in those seats, if you will, and, and not having those has probably compromised compliance in some ways, um, no doubt about it. Uh, you know, I would, I would say that I think companies need to be considering when you have those constraints, and you have trouble fulfilling those roles, 
you know, we need, people need to be, it's 2023, right? We need to be looking at, at modern uh, technology offerings that can certainly help companies fill some of the gaps, um, fill some of the constraints from just a resource perspective with volume and throughput uh, and help ensure compliance at the same time. Yeah, well, I think you touched on it probably because of all the moving parts in logistics, all the more reason and looking at other countries that you need that compliance program and, you know, as you as you look at different opportunities and as well as dealing with some staffing issues um, if without written procedures, it makes it really hard to onboard some of these new people. And, and I think that's um, part of, of what some of these companies are facing today, at least some of you know, the challenges that we're seeing. Another another point. That's a great point, though, Sandy. Yeah. I, I think if if you if you truly do stand up a, a robust compliance uh, program and you have that in place, uh, new or uh, tenured folks, it doesn't matter. Uh, it it helps prevent them from drawing outside the lines, right? Um, right. So it helps it helps uh, shore up your compliance and prevent them from doing things that we knowingly shouldn't be doing. Right, um, Mike. As we as we wrap it up today, any general comments you'd make on some of the biggest challenges today, either for Orbis or, or for others you're seeing and trying to remain compliant in a, in a really quickly changing regulatory environment? Yeah, you know, I had a, I had a former uh, CEO that I worked with that would say the pace of change is never going to be slower than it is today. And I think we all recognize that. Um, you know, I can, I can say that we already talked about a few of the challenges that I think will continue within the next year or two. Um, you know, being staffing and 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 uh, different markets. I think the ongoing Chinese uh, China geopolitical and economic issues are going to be really interesting, right? Because I think it's going to push more nearshoring. Uh, with more nearshoring becomes new markets, becomes new and problematic um, rules, regs that you might have to be dealing with. You might not have the subject matter expertise, uh, the familiarity of that. I think intellectual property is is going to continue to be on the forefront uh, and be a focus with with how we govern and, and regulate who we're doing business with. Um, consumptive demand, I, I'm an old guy, right? So I remember consumptive demand, now it's called forced label, labor, right. section 307. I mean, let's, let's be clear, that enforcement uh, is coming. I think it's never more prevalent than it yep. has yep. been today. So I, I think that's uh, scary. Uh, Russia and, and other countries that, that aren't playing nice, um, right? So when you're talking about exporting, now you've got sanctions that you may or may not have dealt with in the past. And, and I don't think they're going to get their act together anytime soon. So I think that's going to be a, a continued challenge. I think um, you know, the EU carbon border tax initiative is really intriguing to me on how they roll that out. And, and if people are doing business into the EU, how that works with the WTO uh, uh, regs that exist. And, and and believe it or not, you know, I, I think uh, I was reading something the other day, but two years later, Brexit is starting to bubble up again, you know, in, in England, in the EU, with regards to, you know, most British manufacturers think this is just abs has been absolutely growth stifling, and, yeah. and they're ready to abandon it. So uh, I don't think they were ever for it in the first place, but I think they're ready to abandon it. Yeah. And, and well, you made the case. I, you know, without a doubt, and in, in, in our brief time, and all the more reason than ever, you know, with all the big parts on the importance of the compliance programs oh, and, and being ready to, to deal with all of uh, the changes and navigate them. Uh, Mike, I want to be sure to mention some of the, the details, your upcoming event with the Madison Trade Association. Um, 
their annual trade compliance program. I know we're always a big supporter of that and happy to participate. Um, numerous speakers, you're gonna speak um, on trade compliance programs. The, um, the program is crossover, how, why, and, and um, the return on investment of trade compliance across the company. So um, that is Tuesday, February 14th, still time for people to register. It is an in-person event. So it's great uh, to see, get back at, at the Madison Trade Association and see people coming together. That's an all day program. And I know it's usually been one of our best attended events. So uh, looking forward to having you there. Um, again, Mike uh, Heinzelman, thank you for joining us. And I, I, I could talk offline uh, <laughs> for quite a while about trade compliance, but it was really great having you. So thank you for joining us on Talking Trade. Thank you for, uh, for the opportunity. Really appreciate it. You've been listening to Talking Trade, sponsored by MMAC's World Trade Association and Michael Best Strategies.